Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. Let's go to Acts chapter 1 today. I want to begin, uh, continue the series I began last week entitled Perfect Power for Imperfect People. Any imperfect people in the house today? Anybody still under construction today? How many are thankful that he saved you just like you were? How many are thankful he loved you too much to leave you in that condition? Come on. Don't point. But how many people do you know you're really glad they're still under? I said don't point. You're just glad you know some people that God's not through with them yet. All right. How many of you want everyone, uh, let, let me say it this way. We need to remember we should be as patient with those around us that are under construction as we want people to be with us. Come on. How many can say amen to that? Yeah. We should extend the same patience we want, extend the same mercy that we want. Uh, it's exciting to see that, that God's power, the power of the Holy Spirit is indwelling us as believers. And we need to make sure that we see this in the context of the book of Acts narrative. Why is that? I want to say that again. We must be sure that we understand the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of us uh, as an individual and in the church corporately. We must understand this in the context of the book of Acts narrative. The book of Acts is the history of the beginning of the church. Uh, There are some doctrinal positions today in the body of Christ. Some are held by friends of mine, but I disagree with them very strongly. There are some doctrinal positions that tell us that this book of Acts account that we are given to read no longer fully is available to the church. We're we're taught by some doctrinal positions that Uh, There was a flurry, is the term it's used often, uh, or an outpouring of spiritual gifts to begin the church, but they are no longer operative in the church. Now, my issue with that is this. There's no biblical precedence to make that statement. There are traditional precedents. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, we clearly can read our Bible. We're going to do some more of that today and see how the church began. Now, what what God institutes, what God originates, and what his word records can only be changed, ended, or diverted by God himself. Are you with me? If God begins it, only God has the right to end it. If God initiates and says, this is my church, man's not given the right to cut and paste and to add our thoughts and concepts about that. Here is a biblical pattern of the church. It works in every generation. How many heard what I just said? Okay, thank you for those 10. It works in every generation. How many heard what I just said? It works in every dispensation. It works in every situation. It is the word of God. God's word is unaffected by circumstances. If it's the word of God, it works everywhere. If it's the word of God, it's valid in every circumstance. If it's something man has done, then it probably would, can be manipulated. But this is what God has done. So I, I want us to uh, make sure that we have a clear understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit as the church began so that we can see what God is doing in our lives now. It's the same church. The Bible says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, forever. And so we operate on that. So uh, I want to go back. I began last week reading through some accounts in the book of Acts. And and we're going to go back to that today. We didn't get through. I want you to see the biblical record. I want you to see what God's word says. That's the final line. So so as we begin, and, and we're looking in this study, perfect power for imperfect people. Let me encourage you with this. Every one of us, if we can be quite honest... Know our limitations. As a Christian, let's be very clear and transparent here. As a Christian, you know there seem to be some gaps 
between what the Bible says we are, who we are, and what we do, and what we sometimes are able to accomplish. And, and, and are we good with this? You know there are, there, there are uh, biblical patterns and mandates that we often look at ourselves and say, man, I'm not there. Or how do you get there? Or how do I do that? And what happens too often, people only get enough of the word to look at their life, comparing it to God's word, and say, well, I'm not there. But instead of understanding, God would never ask you to do anything he doesn't enable you to do. They give up and walk off. They let guilt or shame come on their life. So here's what I want to help you with today. Every gap between where you are and where you know you can be, should be. The Holy Spirit is the one that connects you to that. Every place that you would feel like giving up, the Holy Spirit will help you get to that next place. Every place you see where there's been a weakness, a stronghold, a pattern, whatever you might want to call it, the Holy Spirit will connect you from that point of weakness to the point of completion that's in your heart. All right? So we need to understand that. This is not the time. Listen to me, church. This is not the season. This is not the time as we're living in these days to be lessening the availability of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the day when we must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit as the church never has before. I want to encourage you with a couple of things. God knew that you and I would be living at this moment. God knew that we would be his church at this moment. I do not think there has ever been a greater challenge to the church than the culture we're living in right now. Are you listening to me? I don't think there's ever been more opposition to truth as there is right now. But I have good news for you. The Bible says where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. And we will see in this book of Acts narrative or account that every time the church was challenged, God responded with a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So I am not intimidated by the circumstance in which God has placed us to be his church. I am actually encouraged to know that the greater the opposition, the greater the anointing that God is going to put on us as his church. Anybody with me? And so our goal, our mindset, our DNA, how we approach life today, we don't have a martyr complex. We don't have a hold on to Jesus comes back complex. We're not hiding out somewhere. We are boldly, courageously saying God put us on this planet at this moment in time to be Jesus with skin on, to hold the light up, to hold the truth out, to be the place of hope and healing on this planet right now. If God be for us, who can be against it? Jesus said in the upper room at the last meal, he said, in this world you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, that's who we are. We're overcomers. But we do that not just at our own human ability, but learning to live and connect and move through the power of the Holy Spirit. Are you with me? All right, so let's look at this. Let's be very clear. Acts chapter 1 verse 1. This, this was uh, the, the scribe that the Holy Spirit chose to record this history was Luke the physician. You know that he had been used of the Holy Spirit to write one of the four gospels. He was a doctor, a physician, who was a traveling companion of Paul on his missionary journey. And this is the human scribe. You have to understand, no man wrote the Bible. How many heard what I just said? The scripture is the work of the Holy Spirit. There are certain individuals upon whom the Holy Spirit came and guided them to record truth for all time. And so Luke is giving us the Holy Spirit inspired history of the church. All right? So Luke uh, Acts 1.1. In my former book, Theophilus, the Gospel of Luke. I wrote about all that Jesus, I love this, you have to, Jesus, what, what's the word? Did he say began or finished? It's just what he began, remember that. He said, I wrote to you about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. 
after his suffering, after the cross and the resurrection, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, I want you to understand what we're looking at. It's it's very clear. Luke said there's something Jesus came to this earth to do. It was to be a sacrificial offering to go to our cross to pay the price for our sins so that any man or woman who calls upon the Lord could be saved. Amen? Amen? The resurrection validated that. But what Jesus came and did on the cross was the beginning and not the end. He began to do something. The church is to carry it on. We are not to carry on something we designed and devised. We are to carry on what Jesus began to do. The church, in one of the names the scripture gives us, we're the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. I want you to think of this. Just as God miraculously uh, enabled the Virgin Mary to conceive without human reproduction, Jesus was placed in her womb so that he would have a physical body in which he dwelt while he was on earth for 33 years. Through that body, he began to do his work. We are now the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. And now what he began doing continues to be done through you and me. What would make us think that we could continue to do what he did without the same power that enabled him to do what he did? All right. So we're the body of Christ. Now, one more thing. Let's make sure we understand. A body is not a body unless it has a lot of different functioning parts. That are connected. So the church is not a pastor standing on a pulpit preaching to a congregation of people and that's all church is. I'm just the coach calling the plays to the players who then break the huddle and go out through the week and do the thing. We're the body of Christ. It's not one person. It's the body. We don't get it done without the body. The world will not see Jesus without the body. The world will not see all he is and who he is and get a chance to be touched by him without the body. You go places I don't go. You know people I don't know. You work where I don't work. You live where I don't live. Thank God is not waiting on me and our pastors to get where you are. You are the body of Christ. Collectively together we represent him. Okay? So we continue doing what he began doing. We might say, well, that's too big an assignment for us. That's overwhelming. It's not to make you feel overwhelmed, not to make you feel like, my goodness. It's to encourage us and say, my goodness, we get to do what he did. We get to carry on this message. We get to let other people know about this amazing grace that transformed every part of my life. So how were they going to do that? Well, I'm really glad you asked that question. Let's keep reading. One occasion while he was eating with him, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. Watch this. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when they met together, they asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They were still looking for an earthly kingdom. Can, can, I, can I get on some thin ice for a minute? Throughout his time, people kept wanting Jesus to be political. Some of you want me to be political. Some of you come sit here every week and just wait for me to get political. I know some of you think politics is on the same level as scripture. I know some of you think you're not a Christian unless you're a Democrat. Tricked you, didn't. And some of you think you're not a Christian unless you're a Republican. And some of you think you're going to go to heaven by who you voted for. I love the medal. 
And some of you think that a church isn't spiritual unless I stand up here and, and give a political speech. But I'm going to say what Jesus said. I'm going to say what Jesus said. I'm not going to stoop to preach politics. I'm going to stand to preach the word of God. And if you want politics, go to a political meeting. If you want the word, come to church. So you might as well quit waiting. Because I'm not going to do it. Because I have a calling that's too high for that. I have an assignment that God gave me that I can't walk away from to make a lot of people happy. So I'm going to say with Jesus, Pastor, when are you going to preach on politics? Now, I might speak to some issues because God knows we need some help right now. But I'm going to preach politics. So I'm going to say what Jesus said. It's not for you to know the times or the days. You need to quit worrying about if I'm going to do something on the earth to be the next king or the governor. Here's what I want to say. But you'll receive power. That's what I want to talk about. You want, you want things to be better? You want there to be justice? You want there to be equality? You want the children to know the truth about gender and marriage? You want to know how to love each other? You want to know how to break down prejudice? You want to know how to make America great? You want to know how to do the things that make us who we ought to be? And I'm going to tell you how you're going to do it. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You want to know what your family needs? You'll receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. You want to know how we break down prejudice? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You know how we're going to get the right people in the right places? You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. We might just remember in the church that prayer might do more than a lot of things we've been doing. We might just finally remember if we get enough power of the Holy Spirit that we'll start relying on God to do what we can't do. I'm not preaching yet. I'm just introducing right now. But you'll receive power when? When the Holy Spirit comes on you. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. There is nothing in this New Testament record that gives any idea, any indication at all that the church could be the church without the power of the Holy Spirit. There is nothing in the New Testament that gives us any indication that we can continue to do what Jesus began if we do it in our own energy and ability. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. It's not a course. It's not a, it, it, it's, it's not something we try to do. It's who you become. Did you understand what I just said? When the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon us, we become a witness. We don't have to try harder. We don't have to think of, we become. It's who we are. It's who we become because the power of the Holy Spirit's operating in our life. And is it just for us four and no more? Is it just for me and my family? Is it just for North Alabama? Is it just for the people I know and the people that know me? Is it just for those who I like and those who like me? No, he says, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you become a witness in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus said. Now, to whom did he say that? (laughs) To whom did he make this declaration? Remember that this series is perfect power for imperfect people, okay? I've got to take you to Mark 16. Go there with me in verse number 14. I want to encourage you. This is within our reach. Someone say, I can get there. Come on, this is within our reach. Mark chapter 16 and verse 14. You have to see to whom he was speaking, all right? You say, well, that's a lot of apostles and all these mighty great guys, really? Well, let's look at this. Mark 16. Later, this is after the resurrection. This is after the cross and the resurrection. Are you with me, church? Okay. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. Look at, are you with me? Okay. He rebuked them, imperfect people, for their lack of faith and their stubborn refusal to believe. God, have mercy. They were still in Christianity 101. Come on, are you, are you with me? Can you get off the guilt train today? Can you get off the shame train today? Can we get off the someday train today? Are you with me? Okay, thank you. We're, I can see you're, you're thinking about it. He, he appeared to the 11 and rebuked them for their lack of faith 
and their stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he'd risen. And what's the first thing he says to them? Go into all the world and preach the good news. What in the world? You guys are a collective group of doubters and unbelievers. I'm, why are you doubting? He rebukes them and are looking at him with big eyes. Come on, what would you be doing? You're sitting around the table. Jesus walks through the wall. And the first thing he does is look at you and say, you're a bunch of doubters and unbelievers. Just thinking, my God, have mercy. And then he says, now get up and go preach the gospel to all the world. Come on. Come on. Who? What? Who? We, we do this thing now. Okay, if I'm going to be a witness, I've got to be saved for 28 years. Memorize every scripture. I've got to go through 14 classes. Have the pastor put the stamp of approval on me. No, you get filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, you become a witness. You become a witness. But pastor, I'm not perfect. Keep moving. Keep moving. You become a witness. Rebukes them for their doubt and unbelief. It says, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Watch this. He says, and, verse 16, whoever believes and baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Come on. This same group of knuckleheads I can say that. Sorry, right. nobody, I didn't blast you. So what else did he tell them? I know you're full of doubt and unbelief, but he said, I want you to go ahead and start preaching. He says, and by the way, while you're preaching, you're going to be signed to accompany those who believe. In my name, they'll drive out demons. You say, well, I hope, I, I hope that doesn't happen. Well, the demon hopes he doesn't meet you. That's who the demon's afraid of. He's afraid of you. You know why? Because you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. You carry the authority of Jesus' name. Well, what else are they going to do? These are the doubters and the unbelievers. My God, what do the believers do? <laughs> huh? Okay, uh, drive out demons. Speak in new tongues. Now, people get a little sideways on this one. They'll pick up snakes in their hands. Well, you remember when the snake came out of the fire with Paul and bidding? Okay, that's, yeah, this isn't. Rattlesnake Rodeo. You understand what I'm saying? And then he says, if somebody tries to poison you, God's going to protect you. Some of the mission trips I've been on, I believe I ate poison. You should have seen some of the meals I've eaten representing you. You know, you pray, oh, God bless pastor. You ought to pray, God, don't let him die. I've eaten mush off banana leaves. I've eaten monkey knuckle soup. <laughs> I've eaten dove egg soup. And the raw eggs were floating in the soup. And I'm like, I'm not eating yet. And I looked at the missionary. He said, you can't disappoint their hospitality. And I said, my God in heaven. And you know what I do right before I drink the poison? <laughs> I say, Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16, Mark 16. I might have held it in my mouth and spit it out when nobody was looking. I, okay? I've been in some places. <laughs> and here I am. <laughs> but believe me, I didn't go asking for it. But God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you. Did I scare everybody then? Was that too scary on that? All right. They drink deadly poison. not going to hurt them. Look at this. They will place their hands on sick people and they'll get well. That's who we are. That's what we do. That's who our children in children's church are. Are you listening to me? That's who our students in high school are. That's who you are. That's who the church is. It, God starts where you are. Are you listening to what I'm saying? He starts where you are. When I ate some of that crazy stuff in these places around the world, I was scared. I wasn't going, glory to God. I'm God's man of faith and power. Bring on the mucky knuckle soup. I was like, God, let him spill it. God, don't, don't let him drink it all before it gets to me, please. I mean, I didn't want to drink it. But I remembered this. You doubters and unbelievers, go preach the gospel and I'm going to be with you. I was like, God, you said you'd be with me because I just need you to be with me right now. How many understand what I'm saying? 
We need to stop categorizing ourselves and say, well, if I'm not in the top 1% of every Christian on the planet, God can't use me. God will use you right where you are. Do you know why? He's going to put perfect power in imperfect people. Do you realize they did not receive this power because they deserved it? They received it because they needed it. They did not receive it because they had, they were perfect. They received it because there was a world full of other imperfect people who needed to meet a God and were the vessels that he used. Is anybody with me with that today? It's amazing what God will do by his power with people like you and I that aren't perfect but are willing to say, God, you can use me now. Let's look at this account real quickly. Go with me again, Acts 2, verse 1. These five accounts. I want you to get full of the Word. We have so much doctrine and ideas and viewpoints. We need the Word. Can somebody say amen to that? We need the Word of God. So here's the beginning of this. He said, you wait until you receive this gift, this baptism in the Holy Spirit and power. Someone say power. Perfect power for imperfect people. Chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, those 11 and some more were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be what? Tongues of fire that separated and came to rest only on the apostles. Oh, each of them. Wow. And, and then we go to verse 4. A few of them... Oh, oh, wow. This is pretty inclusive, isn't it? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. How do you speak in tongues? As the Spirit enables you. That's it. How do doubters and unbelievers lay hands on the sick and they get well? Because there's perfect power in imperfect people. Now, I'm not promoting doubt and unbelief. I'm saying God will start where you are. But you keep doing that journey with him and some of those demons get cast out and some of those sick people get healed. And what happens to your faith? What happens to your belief? Are you with me? Okay. So, so here's this. Now, we see there, it was the Feast of Pentecost. Jews from around the world were there. That this this, this uh, supernatural language that God gave them, it draws a crowd. People begin to be amazed and they ask. Let's drop down to verse 12. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Verse 13, don't let this bother you. Some, however, made fun of them and said they've just had too much wine. Okay. Verse 14, then Peter stood up. Who stood up? Peter stood up. Remember the guy, I'll never leave you, and he did. I'll never deny you three times. I, I quit. Let's go fishing. This guy, what happened to him? There was perfect power operating in an imperfect man. But he was growing. Someone say growing. Okay. So he stood up with the 11, raised his voice, addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only 9 in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. Are you ready? Watch this. In the last days. The last days started 2,000 years ago. People ask me all the time, are we in the last days? I said, partner, we're in the last of the last days. Are we near the return of the Lord? We're nearer. We're 2,000 years closer than when this statement was made. So what do you need in the last of the last day? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want you to see the inclusivity of this again. I will pour my spirit out on all people. And I shared this a little last week because I'll move on. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Thank God. Watch the generational. You have to see the generational connection with the power of the Holy Spirit. The church was never to be one generation, one age group, one race, one kind. We are to be a combined family of believers. He said, your sons and daughters are prophesied. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Do you know why young people don't want to go to church? Do you know why we're missing Gen X and millennials and teenagers? Because they haven't seen where they belong in the body of Christ. But if we have enough of the power of the Holy Spirit present, I believe that we're not going to disconnect from a generation. We're going to reconnect with a generation looking for validity and reality. You see, if this young generation doesn't have a Jesus that's real enough to meet them where they are, they're going to look somewhere else. 
They have something in their face every day. Listen to me. They have devices in their face every day with two clicks that can put them anywhere on the planet. That can look at the filthiest things that have ever been recorded. That can hear concepts and ideas that are ridiculous. That can give them every counterfeit idea about life. And if they they haven't seen a Jesus that's more real than that. If they haven't encountered a power that is more real than that, we're going to lose a generation. But if we present to them a Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit that can heal their broken heart and stop them wanting to commit suicide and give them an answer to their life and stop the cutting of their skin trying to find some relief. I believe the church is supposed to be a place where every generation runs to the presence of Almighty God and say, that's what I need. That's what I'm looking for. That's the identity I'm searching for. That's the validity that's been missing in my life. And if we think that we can put an organization together with human ability and preach dead doctrine to dead people in dead churches and win a generation, we are lying to ourselves. But if we can have a church that is full of the power of the Holy Spirit that will meet every person on their level where they are with the deepest need in their life. We can be Jesus doing what he did, carrying it on. Bottom line, look at verse number 21. And everyone, see this is what happens. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. Everyone. Go to Acts chapter 8. We read a portion of this last week. I've got to get you to see these. I must have you see these, these five passages today as frame of reference as we continue. I'm just building my case week by week here. Building your faith. So we see this outpouring that happened in Acts 2. Later in that chapter, 3,000 people were saved. The church began to meet. Around these four areas. Listen to me. We talked about this in my 242 series. What did they do? They, they met together and what happened? They were devoted to the apostles' doctrine, word of God, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Do you know the church today, we've got to connect with each other. We, we have to be connected to the word. We have to be connected to each other. You've got to find a prayer, Calvary family to connect somewhere besides just Sunday morning. And then we need to learn how to pray together as a church. Prayer. Okay. So it starts. It's, it's glorious. The city is amazed. It said people got saved every day. The, the priests began to get saved. At first it says God added to the church. And then we read God multiplied the church. It's just spreading. But then religious persecution broke out. And in chapter 7, Stephen, the first martyr, his life was taken, stoned to death because he was simply a Christian. So the church scattered. Verse 4 of Acts 8. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. You see, without the power of the Holy Spirit, persecution will close the mouth of the church. How many heard what I just said? Without the power of the Holy Spirit, opposition will close our mouth, tuck our head, bring fear. Cause us to go hide in the corners and answer questions nobody's asking in buildings nobody wants to go to. But in the power of the Holy Spirit, there is something there. Opposition, are you with me? Persecution, say, well, it's not like that right now, but that little side eye look you got at work. Now, these guys get stoned to death. In this modern version of the church, if somebody just gives me the side eye, I tuck my tail. Well, they looked at me. They looked at me funny. They defriended me. I lost a follower. Well, where were you leading them? That's what I'd like to know. <laughs> Maybe you don't need any followers because you don't know where to lead anybody yet. Some of you got more followers than you got responsibility for right now. Everybody wants followers. I'd like to first develop some leaders. <laughs> okay. So <clears throat> those who had been scattered preached. Come on. When the power of the Holy Spirit, the devil can't stop us. So watch this. Here's Philip. Now part of this modern doctrine says only the apostles 
had the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And when they died, then that's when the gifts died. But the funny thing about that is, in Acts 2, nobody laid hands on anybody. They're all just praying. God can do his thing without a human instrument. Now we're in Acts chapter 8. Philip was one of the deacons, not the apostle. Look at this. Verse 5. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs, whoa, a deacon's doing a miracle now. Come on. Come on. He, they did. They all paid close attention to what he said. Do you know a miracle will cause people to listen to the gospel? Do we need more people listening to the gospel? We need more miracles happening today. Okay? So they, they, when the crowd heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. When I said we need more miracles, I'm not just talking about on Sunday. I'm talking about on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. In the classroom, in the marketplace, on the ball field. Okay. With streets, evil spirits came out. It looks like Mark 16 is happening, doesn't it? Exactly what Jesus said. With streets, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in that city. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, listen to me, will always release the gifts of the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit releases the gifts of the Holy Spirit to function. We'll talk more about that. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people both high and low gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power. They called him God. He is the great power. They followed him because he had, because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. There's more magic in Las Vegas than there are miracles in the church today. I said over here. There's more magic in Las Vegas than there are miracles in the church today. Somebody's got to say it. But when they believed, somebody say when they believed. And what did they believe? Philip, as he preached the good news, come on. (laughs) And the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. They were baptized, both men and women. So they believed in that. They said, I believe. I'm I'm a believer. Baptize me. I accept Jesus. All right. Now watch this. Simon tried to get in this thing. He he saw truth, but he wasn't willing to surrender. How many hear what I'm saying? Simon himself believed and was baptized and followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. They had not been baptized in the Holy Spirit. They had simply been baptized in the name of Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So this time the the apostles came, but I want you to see, here's a group of believers and they said, this is the act pattern. There's another work of the Holy Spirit. How many heard what I just said? I know you're born again, but the Holy Spirit's not done with you yet. There's another encounter with the Holy Spirit. I know you've been saved, but now you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, are you with me? Let's keep going. Now, when these believers were baptized in the Holy Spirit, look at verse uh, 18. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on the apostles' hands, so it wasn't just an internal thing. He observed. They were baptized in the Holy Spirit. There were physical ear things he could see and hear that were happening in their life. And so he says, uh, wow, when he saw that the Spirit was given on to lay in the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, in our language, dude, I'll buy this. Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. I love these real men of God. You know, the gospel is not for sale. Come on, somebody tell the truth. You can't buy the gospel. You can't buy the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. Look at this. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. You need to repent. Let's go to chapter 9. Come on, real quickly. Stay with me. Stay with me. Come on. We need to read the word. How many can say amen to that? Acts 9 verse 10. This is where Saul, who was persecuting the church, who he read was holding the robes and, and, and the cloaks of the men who killed the first martyr... He was now going to Damascus to throw more Christians in jail, breathing out, threatening the number one enemy of the church. Listen to me, church. If you've got a political mind, you're going to miss this. 
If you have a Holy Spirit mind, you're going to catch it. The political mind wants to fight everybody that disagrees with them. The mind of Jesus wants to win every one of them into the kingdom of God. This skeptical, unbelieving culture that we live in is not our enemy. They're our assignment. How many heard what I just said? The people that laugh or disagree or do whatever they do, they're not our enemy. They're our assignment. This man was the number one enemy of the church. Let's go to verse 10. And the, so, well, and so what happens? God meets him on the way, appears to him, falls off the horse he's riding, and, and says, you know, Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. He, you know, I, I get it. He called him Lord. Now look at verse 10. In Damascus, there was a what? Apostle? Prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, disciple. He wasn't even a deacon. Remember, the theology that says all this ceased says it had to be the original 12. The Bible doesn't say that. But even that's faulty theology because here's the disciple. Are you ready? And the Lord spoke to him in a vision. Ananias, yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said to him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For he is praying. I believe I'd be praying too if God knocked me off my horse in the middle of the day and said, why are you persecuting me? Jeez, I'd be, you know, you're praying, God don't kill me, God don't kill me, God don't kill me. Okay, he's praying, all right? Watch this. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. I love this. See, I want you to see the humanity. Are you with me? I want you to see the people God uses. Perfect power in imperfect people. Ananias didn't jump up and say, glory to God. I've been praying for this. You chose me. Ah, let's get a selfie of me praying for Saul. Get another angle. It's my good side. Huh? Verse 13. Lord Ananias answered. I've heard many reports about this man. And all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem, he said, he's coming here to kill us? And you want me to go pray for him? We've been over here shouting hallelujah. He's blind. God struck him blind. Glory to God. He can't catch us now. He's blind. You want me to go over there? You want me to go over there? And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said, Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house, entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said what? Brother Saul. Saul was a believer at this time. Are you with me? And again, there's another work the Holy Spirit's going to do in his life. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up, was baptized in water now, and after taking some food, regained his strength. A disciple. Let's go to chapter 10. Hurry, hurry with me. I'm hurrying. All right, chapter 10. Let's look at verse 44. I'll go quickly. You ready? Verse 44. Now, if you've never read Acts 10... This, it, it's absolutely amazing how this moment took place. How God had to speak to Peter, who, who, who was an imperfect person with a perfect power in him. And say, you're going to go pray for Gentiles. He said, I don't touch Gentiles. He said, you know, that's unclean. I'm, I, I, I. He said, you're going to go. Okay. So he gets there and he brings his Jewish Christians with him. Listen to me. Who are extremely skeptical. Okay, verse 44. This is the first Gentiles, non-Jew, coming to this we read about. While Peter was still speaking these words, he's still preaching. Nobody's laying hands on anybody. Are you with me? See, these, there's not a pattern except God wants to do this. He's still preaching. The Holy Spirit came on three or four. Man, he does all every time, doesn't he? On all who heard the message. The circumcised believers, those who were the Jewish 
men who had now accepted Christ, who had come with Peter, look at this, were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on even the Gentiles. You see this? They were there, but they didn't want to be there. God sent them. They're like, it's nothing going to happen. They're, they're Gentiles. We're Jews. They're Gentiles. Nothing's going to happen. All right, Peter. If you want to go on this crazy journey, we're going to go. I'm just not going to touch anybody, but I'm going to go with you. Can you see them in that house? They're like, you want something to eat? No, 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 thank you. I'm not hungry today. Sit down on the couch. Oh, no, I'll stand up. I'll just stand up. I'm on the intercessory team. We don't sit down. We just... And then while he's preaching, boom, everybody in the house, baptizing the Holy Spirit, praying in tongues. And those guys go, can you be In the midst of their doubt and unbelief, the perfect power of God flowing through imperfect people. Are you with me in this thing? You're qualified. You're qualified. He entrusted us because he empowers us. He will do this because it's his plan. So, so, so verse 46. They were astonished uh, and, and said, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. <laughs> they said, we can't deny this. Then Peter said, can anyone keep these people from being baptized in water? They received the Holy Spirit as we have. They wouldn't even baptize them in water and God baptized them in the Holy Spirit. He goes, okay, fill the tank up. Okay. Verse 48. So he ordered that they may be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then Peter stayed with them a few days. Last one, go to chapter 19. Come on, hang in here. You read more scripture this morning, you're having a week. All right, let's go to I'm just having fun. <laughs> just pushing buttons, that's my job. Because I want you to go, glory to God, look back next Sunday. I read 15 chapters this week, Pastor. Good for you. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, look at this, Acts 19.1. While Apollos was at Corinth, okay, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some what? Okay, so these people are already believers like we've been reading, okay? Holy Spirit's indwelling them as a Christian, but God says, there's something else I want to do for you. You seen this pattern, guys? There's another work of the Holy Spirit here. Acts calls it being baptized in the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Holy Spirit. So there were some disciples, and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when or after, the footnote, if you look in your Bible, you believe? Did you receive the Holy Spirit after you believe? And they said, no, nobody told us about the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful God's going to reach out to a hungry heart, even with our lack of understanding? I've heard some of the most incredible salvation testimonies of people who've never opened a Bible in their life and basically said, if you're real and you're God, you can do something, here I am. He said, okay. You know. The mercy of God is amazing, isn't it? Since we didn't know there's the Holy Spirit. So Paul said, then what baptism did you see? John's baptism. So they had been baptized in water. Paul said John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. I want you to see what happened here. There is a clear pattern in the book of Acts that God continually saves us just like we are and is not intimidated to step in the middle of our mess and start moving us along. And in that journey, he has another work of the Holy Spirit that will empower us to move from where we are to where we want to go, from who we cannot be to who God said we can be. And it wasn't for a few, it was for everyone. It wasn't just those that the original apostles could touch, it was for everyone that was hungry. It wasn't just for one generation or one dispensation, it's for the church. It's how we continue to do what he did. I want you to stand with me. Stand does not mean leave at this church. Stand with me. I want the worship team to come. Come on, stand with me. I want to pray with you right now. You guys have been incredible to let me preach and teach this long today. Thank you. But I wanted to reach this point because I want to build off this, all right? I want to build off this and some preaching, all right? So listen to me, guys. Listen, listen, listen. We see God wants to 
help us right where we are. Somebody say right where I am. You don't have to wait for next week. Amen. You don't have to wait for some human being to say you're okay. God starts where you are. God baptizes us in the Holy Spirit, not because we earn it, because we need it, because the world around us needs it. And he delights in putting perfect power in imperfect people. What an amazing God we serve. Amen. What an amazing God. What hope for the church in this day we're living in. Our focus is not on me, it's on him. Our focus on what he will enable us to do. It's absolutely stunning to me. How this perfect God puts his perfect power in imperfect people. It's utterly amazing. Do you know religion says you earn everything from their God? Religion says if you earn it and you do the ritual and you walk through the hoops and you do this, then you get it. God says, I'll start right where you are. He says, I'll step in right in the moment. I'll put my power in you even while you're on the journey. Come on. What a God we serve. And here's what I want us to pray. Before I, two prayers I want us to pray today. First one is this. You're here today, and I want you to realize you're not here by mistake. I believe there are people here with me today, and those of you watching online, whether it's a Sunday or whether it's going to be at another time, God ordains the appointment. I'm confident of that. God ordains the appointment. And you're here today, and maybe you've said, Pastor, I sure have some needs. I sure have some broken places. And I thought that God could never help me because I've gone too far. I've waited too long. I've made too many mistakes. I've hurt too many people. I've broken too many promises. I'm in a place today, online, and here with me, that I never thought I would find myself. I've made choices I never thought I'd make. I've done things I never thought I'd do. And I really don't feel like God can reach me. I'm here, but I don't know. Well, I've taken this moment to tell you, you're not too far. And it's not too late. And this amazing God, who's not afraid of imperfect people, wants to start something with you today, right now. Right where you are. There's some people listening to me, and you've wondered, why was I ever born? How did I ever get here? Why, why? I can't be that kind of Christian. I'll never forget I was telling a man one day, a businessman in this city. I was sharing Christ with him. He said, Pastor, listen closely. He said, you don't understand. I'm not the same kind of man you are. I can't live that life. And I looked him right in the face. I said, I'm exactly the same kind of man you are. He took a step back because he thought I was about to confess some sins. And I said, you and I are exactly the same. But what happened to me as I let Jesus come in, and he made me, if I'm anything, the man I am today. I said, the only difference in you and me is not we're a different kind of man. Is that Christ is in me and he's not in you yet. But that can change. And so you may have counted yourself out and say, I can't live the Christian life. God knows that. That's why he puts his power Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.